Welcome, everybody, to the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. Good to have you on tonight, and we've got a great guest tonight. Before we get into it, of course, and this is a, as you can tell by the title, this is going to be good. So we want to start with prayer, especially because of this. Okay, <laughs> Father, I leave it to you. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you very much, Father. And thank all of you who watch the U.S. Grace First podcast, listen to us, support us, pray for us. Can't thank you enough. If uh, you realize the things going on in the world right now, it's shaking up a lot of people for very good reason. And it is never enough, never enough to just sit back and think, eh, I don't want to watch the news. It's too depressing. I'm going to live in my little bubble. I'm going to go golfing and shopping. I'm going to bury my head in the sand. We can't do that, right? We've got to engage in what's going on the right way, the appropriate way. And that means turn to God first. But knowing what's going on is critically important. And that's what we're going to discuss tonight. Very unique angle at what's going on in this war right now in the Ukraine. Very important to understand. So please bear with us. You're going to get a lot of great information tonight. This is an amazing guest. Also, don't forget to continue to pray for us. Your comments are great. Your encouragement is great. Your prayers are amazingly important. And if you want to support us through the Patreon program, click the link in the description below. The Patreon support is an amazing way and an incredibly helpful way to keep this message out there. Right now, we're struggling with, you know, strikes against us at the time we record this with one of the platforms we've done a lot of work on, YouTube. And so now we've been putting a lot of stuff up on Rumble, and this is kind of the way things go in the world that we're in right now. Big tech, power, manipulation, censorship, the whole nine yards. So your support through Patreon is a huge help. So again, check the link in the description below. Thank you so much. God bless every single one of you who has helped us or is helping us through the Patreon program. Now, Father, I know you are very good friends with uh, our guest, Patrick, here. I'll turn this over to you. Hey, that's a great shirt you've got on, Father. Is that a Thank you. Is that, is that a well, We have a Wisconsin shirt? guest on, so I would wear <laughs> it. It's Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best team that ever lived, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the most right. Catholic football team when you consider Vince Lombardi. Exactly. Of course, Daily Mass communicant. If you're yeah. not a Packer fan, but you claim to he be an NFL football He served the fan, traditional Latin Mass you, most uh, days that he was there. Oh, I didn't That's know right. that. Yeah, he was an altar amazing. server as an adult. And most of his Daily Masses, he served the traditional Latin Mass. Yeah. I do remember yeah. a quote from one, at least, I don't know, one or several of his former players, but one in particular saying that, if we ever needed to know where Coach Lombardi was in the morning hours, we'd, we'd go to the church as he was right. there. Very, very, very impressive man. So, but yep. uh, yeah, big Green Bay Packers situation going on over there and uh, in Wisconsin with you two gentlemen. So, but yeah, Father, I know you. Award in, in honor of you, Patrick. There you go. Oh, I appreciate that, Father. <laughs> So I'm very excited to have Patrick on. In fact, I feel really bad. I'm like, why have we had you on before? But uh, Patrick is uh, a scholar, and and he's uh, he, he one of, uh, one of the biggest. I think, at least in my estimation, was you were uh, the director of evangelization and catechesis for the diocese of Madison for a number of years. You and I worked on a couple of projects together. I remember one was uh, Father Michael Gately, 33 Days to Morning Glory, right. was really big back then. And I remember we worked together to get a big crowd. And it was, uh, you told me, you said that's the biggest crowd ever 
assembled uh, at a diocesan diocesan event. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it was fun to do that, and that was actually an amazing night with Father Gately. He said some amazing things. Anyway, so sure. I, and I've been friends with your family for years. Um, you know, I I uh, I, I was actually a priest, a uh, vocation director for the diocese, lived at uh, the seminary, and uh, with. Uh, with two of your brothers, uh, Andy and Tim, mm -hmm. that were, mm -hmm. that went there at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, so and I'm like your mom and dad or my mom and dad. So, it's, it's, but anyways, it's great to have you on, Patrick. Now you uh, a after uh, being was it history teacher, right? At Saint history Ambrose? and theology, Father. History and theology at, yep. at Saint Ambrose Academy. Uh, you decided to switch gears here, and now you're a very prominent writer, in my estimation, uh, at LifeSite News. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the most uh, well-read uh, the Catholic news agencies in, in the United States. Anyways, so, and you're hitting some pretty controversial topics since you've been in there, and mm -hmm. this being one of them. And you wrote mm -hmm. an article a few days ago, and here, I'll, I'll bring it up so I can get the title. Monumental Provocation, How U.S. and International Policymakers Deliberately Baited Putin to War. Yikes. And I... I I, we were talking about that, and I, I want we want Doug and I wanted to have you on because we, we want to hit Ukraine and what's going on there, and we realized that you've been doing a deep dive in all this and pulled up all kinds of facts. And I said, "Yeah, I'll read the article. It's a really long article. This is a book, uh, Patrick, and it's it's mm -hmm. fascinating. And I have to be honest. I said uh, uh, we talked to you uh, halfway through today, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll read the article." And uh, of course, I had other things to do, but. I only got halfway through the article, so you're going to have to bear with me that I uh, that I only did that. But Patrick, uh, I think it is a monumental article, and of course, uh, uh, a topic that it has all of us concerned. Um, can you kind of help us open up or crack open where you're going with this uh, this particular article and and what you want uh, readers to understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Thank you, Father. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, um, we're all experiencing a lot of crises, you know, these days. And we had the COVID crisis, we had the vaccine crisis, we've had a lot of propaganda that has just kind of saturated our mainstream media and all these topics. And then um, we have the next crisis, and that is uh, the Russian army uh, under President Vladimir Putin uh, invading Ukraine on February 24th of this year. And, and it's a, sort of a shocking event. You know, even on the buildup to it, I thought there's no way he was ever going to do that. I thought it was a lot of show that he had his military out on the border and so forth. But it was very much an affront against uh, international law and against morals. And uh, we've kind of become used to that with our American history. I mean, uh, our American government um, violated international law as well, going into Iraq and, and other places. Um, but anyhow, so just trying to understand what are the dynamics behind this is what I endeavored to do. And when I started to do it, I, I began to write an analysis piece and then I just saw there was so much and I tried to actually give a real summary of the big picture. And the summary became 13,000 words. 
And it is a tight summary. There's a lot of information in there. And I'm tried to say nothing myself. I quoted uh, ambassadors to Russia, ambassadors to the Soviet Union, uh, secretaries of state, secretaries of defense, and so forth. But basically, in order to understand, uh, but not justify, I mean, we can't justify this invasion by Vladimir Putin, but uh, sort of to understand what brought it about, we have to kind of step back in history and look at some things. And if we look back at the Obama administration, um, they had uh, a woman named Victoria Newland working in the State Department, and she was assigned sort of Eastern Europe for diplomacy or what have you. And uh, she's a neoconservative. Her, she's married to Robert Kagan, who's a neoconservative. And that means that they're very uh, pro-war, um, pro uh, what Robert Kagan would say, hard politics, right? And so, um, so what happened when we look at 2013, uh, these neoconservatives also have their highest, I would say it's safe to say their highest priority is the interests of the state of Israel. And everyone might recall this big push for bombing Syria in 2013. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. Pope Francis was the new Pope. Right. And uh, he called for a day of prayer or something. And, and I was still trying to figure out Pope Francis at the time, mm -hmm. but I thought that was a very good move. And Bishop Orlino, Father Rick, you might remember, yeah. um, I went to, uh, we had adoration downtown at St. Pat's and, um, and so forth. But what sort of happened there was that Vladimir Putin intervened and kind of uh, Barack Obama did not want to bomb Iraq or uh, bomb Iraq, bomb bomb Syria, and the neoconservatives are putting a lot of pressure on him. You might recall that he said, uh, tell you what, I could bomb Syria if I wanted to, but I want to consult Congress. And everybody started calling Congress. So anyhow, the bombing of Syria didn't happen. And the neoconservatives were very upset. And they had been thwarted by Vladimir Putin, who sort of intervened and got uh, the president of Syria, Bashar al-Assad, to give up his chemical weapons. Um, and, and so there was no justification to bomb him anymore. And, but uh, the neoconservatives were upset. Six months later, uh, the Obama administration, Victoria Nuland, um, and the ambassador there, his last name was Pratt, I forget his first name, but uh, they were heavily involved in fostering a violent coup d'etat against the sitting president, the democratically elected president of Ukraine. And um, there was sort of a network that was built up of activist groups and media funded by uh, guys like George Soros, who had been there with a foundation for, for many years, and, uh, and also the National Endowment for Democracy and, and others. Uh, to foster this movement and, and so forth. And it takes money to do that, right? So there was this violent coup called the, the Maidan um, Revolution. I think they called it that. And, and it ousted President Viktor Yanukovych from office. And he uh, escaped to Russia. 
Now, this was alarming uh, for, you know, from the perspective of Russia. And, uh, and so, um, so Vladimir Putin responded with an annexation of Crimea, which is a peninsula that goes into the Black Sea. And Crimea had been Russian for uh, at least a couple centuries. Uh, Catherine the Great made it a province in, I think it was uh, 1784, if I'm recalling correctly, after they conquered it from the Turks, actually. And it had housed the, uh, the Navy, the Black Sea fleet of the Russian military for over two centuries. And so for that time, uh, Russians had inhabited Crimea, and it was only in 1954 that Nikhil Khrushchev, who was in charge of the Soviet Union, the Soviet dictator, uh, with a stroke of a pen, gave it to Ukraine, which is to the north of Crimea, and Russia is to the east. And, um, and so that was 1954, but he didn't consult the Russian people there, and when uh, Putin came in, well, I should say the Russians came in, they had a referendum in Crimea, and it was astounding, it was reported all over the world, that 97% of those who voted, uh, and it was an 84% voter turnout, that 97% uh, voted to uh, reunite again with Russia. And the uh, Washington Post at the time said that that was widely expected because those people are ethnic Russians. If you were born in Crimea in 1956, uh, you were born in Russia, okay? And so uh, that's how Putin responded. Now, um, you also might recall that when Hillary Clinton was running for president in 2016, she said that she wanted to have a no-fly zone over Syria. Which was, which was crazy. I mean, uh, Donald Trump was running. Donald Trump, the big, aggressive, um, smash-mouth New Yorker, was the peace candidate, right? Hmm. And, and Hillary was saying, oh, we're going to have a no-fly zone over Syria, which means we're going to go to war with Russia, basically. Which is, you know, you could argue it, it's, it's insanity because... They have nuclear weapons and so forth, right? Patrick, let me interrupt yeah. real quick just so the audience sure. understands. Break down for the audience what that means, why a no-fly zone really means you're going to war. Because that has come up with Ukraine, people calling for the U.S. to impose a no-fly zone of Ukraine. And people said, well, no, that just means we're going to be going directly at war and not by proxy, kind of what we are now with equipment mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. What does a no-fly zone mean and why does it mean that we're really engaging in war? Thanks for the question. Well, yeah, back in the time in Syria, uh, it's another part of the equation that the United States and Israel were supporting ISIS uh, terrorists kind of covertly. And in order to topple the Syrian government and President Bashar al-Assad, and uh, the Russians came in to support Assad. And so the Russians are there, they have air power. And so to say it's a no-fly zone, it's saying that if, if a Russian plane flies over Ukraine, or I'm sorry, over Ukraine, over Syria, um, we're going to shoot it down, okay? Mm -hmm. And if the United States is shooting down Russian planes, of course, that's an act of war, and you're now at war with them. 
So when um, Hillary says she went to no fly zone, she's saying we want to be in a position where we can literally our pilots shoot down Russian aircraft. That's right. And and when the United States shoots down Russian aircraft or if the Russians shoot down American aircraft, it's an act of war. Right. Right. And so you end up going to war. Um, so here was Hillary Clinton basically saying the agenda for the Democratic Party was to go to war with Russia. Right. And of course, she lost. And that agenda item was shifted uh, off the agenda. And uh, Donald Trump came in, uh, who was the peace candidate. You know, he never started a war. He did, he did I don't know, in my judgment, some uh, stupid things, firing missiles into Syria and stuff like that on a couple of occasions. But uh, he didn't initiate a war. Right. So, so anyhow, um, in the meantime, as a response up in Ukraine, as a response to the coup, there were ethnic Russians, and there still are, in eastern Ukraine, and, uh, and they wanted the deal that Crimea got. They wanted to have, they wanted to be a part of Russia, actually, but then they said, we're just going to be independent, uh, independent republics. And so they had, they occupied the government buildings and so forth, and they had a ref referendum and, and, uh, and they formally seceded from Ukraine. And of course, the, the Ukrainian coup government that was basically installed by the Democratic Party, um, they didn't like that. And they, uh, they sent out uh, troops and uh, it's been... It hasn't been reported much in Western media. I do have in my article some links to Western media reports of it, but uh, independent journalists have verified it and uh, nobody denies it. As a matter of fact, independent organizations that work for the United Nations and uh, some other nonprofits have verified it as well. But uh, the Ukrainian government uh, has been attacking uh, this attacking civilians in these Eastern regions for eight years. And that's kind of shocking to us to hear in the West because our media hasn't reported it. They haven't told us about it. And um, so, uh, so hey, anyhow, hey, Patrick, yeah. can I interrupt real quick? I, yeah, you I just have a quick question. Sure. So was uh, Bush, uh, Bashar al-Assad, was he a good guy? Uh, was he a good actor? Was he a bad actor? What was he doing that um, it seemed that there there was a civil war against him? Uh, the, uh, In uh, Syria. Uh, You're talking about Syria, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that uh, why did they want him out? Why wh And why did the, why did the uh, United States uh, want to help to get him out? Was Or was he a good guy? And we had bad guys in place that... Uh, you know, got a good guy out or what was going yeah. on there at this level? There's, there's very few good guys, right? Um, <coughs> well, yeah, I, but I, there's, there's no one's perfect. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just no saying. one's perfect. Sure. But there's really bad guys. And then there's guys that, you know, are, they're just bad, are, are a little corrupt, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. 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 So where so, was, where was he on that spectrum? I don't know. I, I don't know, but I, from what I've heard, and I, I get this from bishops in the region. The, the Christians in the region loved Bashar al-Assad. And they wanted to keep him in power. 
They were very resentful to the West, the United States, and Israel for supporting these crazy Sunni jihadists um, that were the head chopper type of Muslims that uh, were getting equipped and armed and going around the country terrorizing Christian communities and destroying many of them. So, um, so what was the objective of the United States and Israel? What they wanted to do is, um, it, it's kind of a long story, but Iran uh, is a target. You know, they, Iran is a regional enemy to uh, Israel. And Iran is, um, is Shiite Muslim. And so is Assad. And so they had a land bridge to get to Lebanon to take weapons or whatever. And so they wanted to cut off the land bridge. That's my understanding. And so, um, and so it's also my understanding that there's just an interest to uh, just to kind of cause chaos in a lot of those neighboring countries. So, um, so they can't cause, uh, they can't cause any problems for Israel, you know? So, um, so that's why they wanted to go after Bashar al-Assad. Um, anyhow, um, I forgot where I left off, you guys. So, wait, uh, yeah, I want to back up real quick. So you got, you, yeah. you said Ukrainian forces have been attacking Ukrainian civilians in East Ukraine for eight years. Right. I, and this is not coming out in the news anywhere, but this is all documented, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, in a nutshell, what's the reason they're doing it? Because, because these are separatist republics. It's like in the Civil War when North Carolina said, we're going to secede from the Union, right? Mm. And so then the Union went after the Southern states and said, no, you're going to stay in the Union. And, and so that's what happened. So the Ukrainians went out there. And there's a guy named Patrick Lancaster. You can look him up on YouTube. He's a former uh, U.S. Uh, Navy soldier. And he also speaks Russian, uh, but he lives in Donetsk. And uh, he's been a, a video recorder, I'm sorry, a video reporter for, um, for all these issues. He's just got tons of YouTubes where he goes to sites that were bombed mm -hmm. by Ukrainians. And of course, he cited in my my article as well. Um, but anyhow, so uh, so that's going on. Uh, so you have so this dynamic. So the war began really in 2014, and it didn't begin in February of this year. And then there was a lot of diplomatic uh, efforts by Russia, Germany, and France, working with the Ukrainian government. And these breakoff Republicans, uh, republics, I should say, and trying to come to an agreement, and they were called the Min Minsk Minsk Accords because that's where they were held. And there was uh, the first one in 2014, and the first one in 20 or the second one in 2015. And so they tried to set up a situation that everybody could live with, and that's what happens with peace negotiations, and that's what we want. We want peace negotiations. Everybody goes in knowing that they're not going to get everything they want, but we want to stop, you know, the bloodshed, obviously, right. right? And I think that's where we should be now with this conflict. There should be real solid peace negotiations. But um, so anyhow, Donald Trump won the election. And so war with Russia was off the table, as we said. And, uh, and then we come around to 2020 and uh, we end up, having uh, uh, Joe Biden installed as president, right? 
and that agenda gets moved up. All these same people from the Obama administration come back. Victoria Newland comes back. Uh, actually, Blinken, who's the Secretary of, of uh, State right now, he was working with uh, the White House, the Obama White House at the time, and all these issues. He's got Ukrainian roots as well. And, um, and so, uh, two months after O'Biden is installed as president, then uh, he starts agitating internationally in the media, calling Putin a killer without a soul and really trying to demonize him. And Russia responds. And this is just last March of last year, 2021. And they say that those are very bad comments and it's going to affect our policies, right? And then uh, President Zelensky, uh, his administration just two days later, comes out with something called the Crimea uh, platform agenda, as I recall, uh, where they basically say it is a high agenda item for them to take back Crimea from Russia. Okay. And in the Russian mind, it's Crimea has been a part of Russia for centuries, except since, you know, uh, the Soviets gave it to them. And, and the Russian people, they want to be part of Russia. And so they call it illegitimate, and they say, uh, we can't see it as anything other than an act of aggression, and that, uh, and that uh, that's how they're going to hold it. And so... Hey, Patrick, uh, yeah. uh, just real quick. Um, you're saying that the Russian, uh, original Russians that are now in Crimea want to be Russian again. I, I, can you help me uh, understand why someone who grew up in communist Soviet Russia would want that now? Why, why, why do they have such a sentimentality mm -hmm. for their Russian homeland when they come from that age group that grew up under that communist regime? Well, I don't yeah. get it. It's a good question. Well, they hated the communist regime, right? but they love their people. You know, they, they love being Russian. They have Russian culture, Russian music, Russian, uh, you know, everything. You know, and it's like, guys, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Biden administration, obviously, right? I, I was but just going to say that. And, I was um, just going to say, I, I love America for what it stands for. I don't like a lot okay, of Okay, so what on. you're saying is under that Soviet communist Russia, they still had good times. No, I didn't say that. Well, but well, you're, you're pointing to that they have these fond memories of, you know, the Russian traditions and, uh, you know, the music and this thing. Uh, well, I've had some fond memories in the last couple of years, even though we have undergone quite, in my view, quite an attack upon mm. the people of the United States yeah. with COVID and very, very Marxist attack. And so forth. Yeah, it's yeah. a Marxist attack. Mm. Um, I, I still love, I love being a Packer fan father, you know, right? Uh, and a Badger. And I love being, I'm an Irish Catholic, right? And, right. Um, and so... Even now, you know, Ireland has a problematic government, um, but I still love being Irish. And so the Soviet Union's over. Soviet Union's gone. And so they're, and besides, when they were in Crimea um, and it was shifted to Ukraine, they were still in the Soviet Union. 
I mean, that's why it was so easy. It didn't, it didn't change anything for the people in Crimea at the time because it was just another part of the Soviet Union, okay. which was very, um, you know, very centrally collectivist and so forth, centrally okay. governed. So, um, so anyhow, what we have is this Biden administration working with the Zelensky, and, uh, Zelensky government to provoke Russia. In November of last year, uh, they signed this charter of mutual partnership, as I recall. And uh, the Secretary of State uh, Blinken did that with their foreign minister. I forget his name. But what's important to understand is that uh, the State Department, everybody in the West, every diplomat in the world knew that the brightest red line for Russia to go to war was for Ukraine to become part of NATO or to have this alliance with the United States where they could be threatened. And John Mearsheimer, this professor at the University of Chicago who's written on this, if you look him up, you'll see him giving talks on it online, compared it to the Cuba Missile Crisis. You know, the United States, a major power, would never tolerate uh, another major power coming into the Western Hemisphere, you know, as we did with the uh, Cuba Missile Crisis. So then he argues, so why do we expect that Russia would allow NATO, a you know, formal, formerly um, uh, aggressive foe against them, um, allow them to come right to their front porch in Ukraine? Mm -hmm. And there's also a mentality in Russia, and who said this, Henry Kissinger, that they see the Ukrainians as kind of the same people as they are. And they're all intermarried and so forth. And, um, and so they just, uh, that's another aspect of all this. It's, it, uh, an analogy could be, um, you know, a foreign power coming into Texas or something. And anyhow, it's just an oh, okay. all, hey, all, hey, all, hey. all analogies limp. Hey, hey, I, I want to understand, I want to understand, I really yeah. do. Right. Okay. So the way at least we're being told, and I don't trust the media to as far as I can throw them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't trust really anybody anymore. I mean, it, we went through two years of really awakening that we shouldn't trust much of anybody anymore. Okay. So mm -hmm. granted that, but here's w my perspective and maybe, you know, I have been indoctrinated. I don't know. But my perspective is that um, NATO is meant to be primarily a protection, mm -hmm. not a, uh, an aggressor that mm -hmm. goes and takes over other countries because now they're united. No, they're united to protect them from being taken over, okay? Mm -hmm. That's my understanding of NATO. Now, you can help me understand that if you want. Frankly, I, think that I don't wait, wait, wait. I'm now almost done. I'm almost okay, done. Good, Frankly, good. I don't understand why Russia and everybody else doesn't want to be in a united group, a united group that wants to make sure that by being united, we're protected from aggressors. Okay. And so uh, if, if people join this, it provokes Russia because they want to be 
an allied force against any possible aggressors. Now, what do I have wrong there? Well, that's great. Yeah, uh, what do you have wrong? Well, you don't have anything wrong. It's just what's what's lacking here is uh, Putin once said. Why why is Putin mad? Because people want to be allied with each other for potential aggressors. Or have, or have I been indoctrinated? And I don't understand that. No, what no. Really is. So, so he actually was in 2007. This issue has been around. This is 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. 2007, he gave a speech at the Munich Security Conference. And NATO had just done their second wave of expansion. And he said, look, um, you know, the West gave us guarantees that NATO was not going to move east when the Berlin Wall the Berlin Wall fell and so forth, and the Soviet Union collapsed. And he also said, now they've moved to our borders because they brought in the Baltic states of Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania. And that's on to the border of Russia. To be a united ally force against aggressors, sure. but go ahead. That, that, that's one point. Okay. The second point is that Putin came out recently and he said that he floated to Bill Clinton of having Russia join NATO. Right. And Clinton just blew him off. And well, what he, who what likes he, Clinton? Who likes Bill Clinton? Exactly. I mean, what yeah. he realized. I mean, was, that's not the United States. That's Bill Clinton. Of course. Uh, you know, I don't so, want to sum up the United States by Hillary Clinton either. No. You know. No. So. Um, but uh, so so the point is that Russia couldn't join NATO, and so he also asked in this speech. He said, "It's fair for us to ask who is this alliance sort of ordered against?" You know. And or protected there's lots of against, other, but go ahead. Yeah, or protected against. But um, there's also lots of other factors. What's going on in Washington? There's lots of lobbying in Washington. Well, can I, who, I live, can, who, who lobbies in Washington? Let me just make this one point. Okay. There's the defense contractors. Okay. If you're going to make money as a defense co contractor, what do you have to have? You have to have an enemy. And so um, this is. Very, uh, what's his name? Uh, President Eisenhower came out. It was like his farewell speech, and he warned against uh, the military-industrial complex that it was taking too much control and so forth. So there's lots of dynamics going on here um, that have to do with money and all these different things. So you need an enemy if you're going to sell munitions, obviously, and so. That's just one other factor. Well, I think one more thing to consider too, when you talk about other factors that are part of this, it's been it's been proven that there were some twenty what twenty some biochemical labs in Ukraine. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard came out openly about this, and and she was called, of course, uh, treasonous by mm -hmm. by Mitt Romney over that. When she said, look, these labs are there. We know that they're there. Mm -hmm. And this was when, uh, and, and Victoria Newland talked about this, when she, mm -hmm. she admitted it, who's back in a position where she's, she's running a lot of the whole Eurasia area as an mm -hmm. undersecretary or whatever her role is there, to what degree. But she admitted this, you know, in, in some committee meetings somewhere before the Senate, that yes, there are bio labs there. And, and yes, Tulsi Gabbard acknowledged, yes, this is going on. And, and so I'm not justifying at all in any way what Putin did. But right. I, 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 I kind of look at it as, you know, if you got a bully out there and someone wants to cleverly try to draw this bully into a fight to do some damage in some way, 
and the bully gets pulled in through one means or another based on cultural or military threat or something, whatever it may be. I don't know it well enough, and I don't think anybody really you know, knows Putin's mind, what's going on inside of his mind and his heart. I've heard all kinds of stories on both sides. But I think that, that that's kind of what I get, what you might be saying here is that he's just playing the part. We're not justifying what he's doing at all, but something is happening here. Mm -hmm. I would contend to this as, contend this as well. Why in the world does the United States government continue to throw literally billions, billions of dollars at this war? And, and, and two days after a Russian official comes out and says that when, when the U.S. and NATO continue to supply support, uh, you know, military arms and so forth to Ukraine, it's like, quote, throwing oil on the fire mm -hmm. and could easily expand this to a much bigger and possibly third world war. Two days later, our president comes out and says, we're going to send $33 billion over there. As if we got to announce it to the whole world what we're doing mm -hmm. right after the Russians say that. The Congress says, no, that's not enough. We want to up it to 40. So mm -hmm. we've got $40 billion. Now, we can't get baby formula on the shelves in America consistently here, but we can send $40 billion over, printing more money, taxpayer mm -hmm. money, you name it. All of this is going on. I mean, Patrick, it just really seems to smell like like there are certain people, and I agree with Father. You know, Clinton doesn't speak for the Americans. I, I don't Absolutely. see Clinton as America. I don't see Biden as America. I don't see Pelosi as America. But these people are in power, mm -hmm. and they're doing an awful lot that seems to be feeding this whole monster of war. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I see what you're saying about this ramping up years ago. So where we are right now, um, I mean, as this has unfolded, I'd like you to pick up, if you could, from... Once Biden was installed, um, mm -hmm. things started to happen. Russian troops mm -hmm. started coming to the border. A lot of us thought it was saber rattling that was, would amount to nothing. And then, mm -hmm. boom, it happened. And now mm -hmm. lately, and this is in the news, people can check it out, the Ukrainian officials, I'm sorry, Russian officials have said that Poland is next in the queue for denazification. They've also said that if Finland and Sweden join NATO, which at the time we record this, both Finland and Sweden have expressed that they're planning on applying for NATO, Part, uh, uh, joint partnership there that there will be some retaliatory action they didn't russia didn't say it would be military or not but this is still ramping up so patrick how do you see all this do you see this fitting into to your 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 ideas here that that putin was baited well uh sure there's a lot there actually i i wanted to i, I talked for yeah. 10 minutes go tell yeah, me. that's okay Break it all down. well oh, i was just gonna say um first of all on the on the 40 billion dollars that they have they're trying to get through the Congress right now. And yeah. it looks like they're going to do it, but we should, in my opinion, we should hold it up. And I'm going to tell you about a petition for that in a minute, but we had 57 uh, Republicans vote against it in the house. All the Democrats voted for it. And those 57 are like the America first Republicans guys like uh, Matt Gates and um, Marjorie Taylor green and, and so forth. And, um, and so I, I'm very grateful that they did that. Um, but yeah, why are we sending this money to Ukraine? It, it is a mad uh, escalation of the war. Mm -hmm. And um, anyhow, what I would, I also want to get back to the, the next escalation. We had Biden come in as president and we have all these things happening and, and they're pushing for it hard. And it shouldn't be neglected to, to point out that in January and February, 
the bombing in the east of Ukraine of these separatist uh, self-proclaimed republics, Donetsk and Lugansk, that um, the bombing against the civilians intensified in a very serious way. And the, uh, the authorities there called for an evacuation and people were evacuated uh, into Russia and so forth. And so um, in my view, that was the, the next escalation and that the Biden administration with Zelensky and the U Ukrainians were doing. At this time, of course, the United States was pouring in tons of weapons and support already. Um, and just to point out that, in my view, it's very obvious. I mean, Tucker Carlson said it. He said uh, Camilla Harris was in Europe for uh, a NATO conference or something, and it was late February. And Russia is poised on the border to invade. And she says, well, I think uh, I respect uh, President Zelensky's desire to join NATO. And Tucker Carlson said, well, you would have to want Russia to invade to say something that, that inflammatory, mm -hmm. you know? And he said, we didn't think that the Biden administration wanted Putin to invade but I guess we were wrong, he said. And it was very hey, obvious. Patrick, can I, yeah. can I jump in right, th right there? Because I just yeah. want to share my thought. And again, I, I, I think the, everybody's listening and maybe some people are thinking like I am, I don't know. But I, I listened to what you just said there, that, that, uh, that Ukraine might want to join NATO and that's inflammatory. Here's an analogy I will use. Mm -hmm. That our parish here is pro-life. And that's inflammatory. And so I am inciting people to come right. and attack my parish because I say I'm pro-life. Oh, How is you. that not an exact analogy? You're joining an organization that has not, okay, demonstrated that they are aggressing and taking over countries or threatening nukes if people don't comply with their dictates Okay, that's not what NATO is. They've wait a second, wait a wait, second. Wait, 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 I'm almost done, I'm almost done. Right. They've demonstrated that they are a united force, much like the Allies in World War II, that they learned that we have to ally ourselves in order, mm -hmm. and I'm, now I'm going to use my favorite quote from Reagan. Uh, we maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. Okay, so I'm going to join an ally force, much like someone joining in World War II, because I want to be united with people who stand against evil aggressors. And so if I do that, then I am being inflammatory. Well, it depends what perspective you're talking from. So you're saying if Ukraine wants to do that, then they're being inflammatory. Um, or that's what is being argued. Or anybody. Them. Yeah, or anybody. Well, anybody. Um, I, I just think it's the same as, as me uh, right. being inflammatory toward the pro-death culture by saying I'm pro-life. How dare I do that because I'm inflammatory? In fact, I was, I was uh, um, admonished by superiors quite a bit in 2020 for speaking up against aggressors and, and saying mm. that's wrong and, and wanting to be united with such forces as the pro-life movement. 
uh, how dare you do that because you're inciting the liberals and and uh, you know that's that's to me it's the same exact thing. Help me understand. Okay, well we we should look at it from Russia's perspective, and NATO, uh, the United States, and NATO. It, I'm I'm pretty sure NATO was involved in Yugoslavia in bombing Belgrade for sixty eight for seventy eight days. From the perspective of Russia, that's an act of aggression. Uh, obviously, when the United States went into Iraq, that's an act of aggression. We all, everybody agrees that that was a foolish thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, it, so, it, so it, by having by having uh, hindsight now, sure. But at the sure. time, we, we got phony uh, uh, intelligence, right. but based on the intelligence we thought we had you, we we had to do that everybody agreed at the time you know at the time everybody actually didn't agree there was a guy named scott ritter who was doing the inspections in iraq and he came and said they don't have weapons of mass destruction he was a marine and that was his job and they put him aside you know okay. uh so it, in my view, it we was, got bad they, intelligence. We, yeah, got, we yeah. well, they, but no, that doesn't they, make they us lied. evil people. They knew they were lying. I remember Donald Trump saying that, that doesn't make us evil debates. because we followed bad intelligence. Well, I don't know who us is, but well, I, I think you, you were using Iraq as an, an analogy or, or what NATO does or the kinds of things NATO do does they aggress because look what happened in, in Iraq. At least I think that's what you were doing. If we look from the perspective of Russia, uh, we see aggression. And when we, and we can't, at the time, I did not support the Iraq war. I didn't support the invasion of Iraq at the time. Lots of people did not. I did. Yeah. Well, I, I did Based not. on the intelligence we had, I thought, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, that's what they were telling us. Yeah. So a lot of people did, but yeah. I didn't believe them at the time. And uh, yeah. a lot of people didn't. Um, so, um, and we, obviously we can't put the entire nation into a box and say, this is what we all willed and this is what we all did and so forth. But, um, anyhow, where did I leave off here? So NATO has been seen by Russia as being an aggressor and they, you know, they see NATO like we would have seen the Warsaw Pact before that was dissolved. It's, it's an adversary, Right. Um, so anyhow, and, uh, Doug, you mentioned Tulsi Gabbard mm -hmm. and she also came out and she said on, uh, the Laura Ingram show, and she said, the only thing I can conclude, she said, the Biden administration has done nothing but actions to escalate this conflict. Right. And therefore the only thing I can conclude is that the war there is exactly what they want. And then there was an article in the Washington Post in April where they basically said that the, um, the, uh, they were interviewing members of NATO and members of NATO said that, I, I'm gonna try to quote it exactly here. It said, for some in NATO, it's better for the Ukrainians to keep fighting and dying than to achieve a peace that comes too early, okay? This is an article, Washington Post. NATO says Ukraine to decide on peace deal with Russia within limits. So NATO is 
pushing this, not for the Ukrainian people and not for, uh, you know, in my view, any other reason than uh, aggression against Russia. You know, they, they want to, and they've said it, you know, Blinken has said, our, our goal is to deplete Russia and weaken them and so forth. And, Joe, uh, Joe, jump in right one more time, just because again, I like clarity. Sure. Is um, okay, Russia, poor Russia, because poor, you know, uh, they're 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 being provoked and 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 or they're being attacked. Uh, that's not my perspective. I sat and watched on February twenty six a sovereign nation invaded. Okay by their neighbors and then uh that nation that was invading a sovereign mm -hmm. nation said if anybody helps them before we take them over right. we're gonna nuke you if you do if you dare do that but you know I, I don't but, I, I can't so father I can't let me ask you place. why why I'm did they invade? Done, i'm almost done i'm almost done i just can't go to the place of poor russia i'm not going there i'm okay. just saying that okay. that we're dealing with human beings Right. And we, we all have everything that people us, said about Russia enough. was proven on February 26th. Okay, but let, let me let me wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Why were they invading, Father? Why did Russia you tell invade me? Ukraine? You tell me. They're, they're okay. taking over sovereign country. They're Inform not, me okay. why that's why anybody should do that in any part of the world. I'll yeah. give you uh, I'll give you two it's, reasons. So we're about, we're about to justify it, okay? I'm not justifying to... it. Oh, I'm well, just saying this is why they did it. Okay. Okay. I, I, to and me, that's the same thing. No, no, okay. it's not. It's, go it's, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The Biden administration and the Zelensky government intensified the bombing in the eastern Ukraine against ethnic Russians, causing them to have to flee for their lives. Okay. And so this is what they said. And that's why he invaded to stop it. And really, secondly, um, he also they also said specifically they don't want to occupy Ukraine. And there's uh, information that, you know, we talked about this before we went online here. But uh, uh, the, the the first casualty of war is the truth. Right. And so we have to be very, very careful with war propaganda very careful yeah and uh we have to verify it right so um yeah iraq you know <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like uh. to i'd like to have a moment here if i could gentlemen sure um number one i would i would like to say that i i don't think that it you can actually equate the pro-life movement to nato equally you know with all respect father i just don't think pro-life movement is pro-life across the board nato is questionable I mean, they're human beings, they're government powers, there's manipulation. I can't, I just don't think that all the NATO nations and everybody involved, especially when you get the Democrats loving Zelensky, it is possible that the whole idea of joining NATO and the people behind NATO are not 100% on board with actually wanting what's best for everybody involved. I also think it's very possible. Are we, that, are we all perfect? No. No, no, no. And that's not even, I'm not even going there. I'm just saying that because there are corrupt governments and individuals and we don't, we know the whole hunter Biden, Ukraine alone, that alone doesn't even get addressed anymore. There's corruption even in Ukraine. That's been documented. It's one there of the most corrupt governments in Europe. It's, that, that's a report of the uh, New York Times last year, the year before. 
it's it's widely known as like the most corrupt government in Europe. Yeah, Was it exactly. more corrupt or less corrupt in 2014? I don't know. I, well, these reports came from just recent years, not before 2014. But it's been widely acknowledged as being But they had a coup to get a guy out that ended up going into Russia to escape. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so right. it, it, seemed, it seems like it was pretty corrupt. When you oh, had a I guy think like they were corrupt, advice. actually. Yeah, 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 I don't think they were saints. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, And so they I, had a coup to try to get toward getting out of corruption, uh, it seems to me. From, from, from how bad that was at that time. Yeah, if, I, yeah. But if we believe in the rule of law, you can't threaten a guy. And, uh, you know, he was not impeached as is constitutionally required, according to the Ukrainian uh, constitution, you know. Um, so it's a coup d'etat. Yeah, I just I don't think it's so cut and dry to say that, that, that to question if Putin was baited into war, that it's justifying what Putin did. I think there's too much corruption on all sides that have been well documented from Obama. You talk about Victoria Newland back then and Victoria Newland now, the chemical labs. Why, why did some even Republicans go after Tulsi Gabbard and call her treasonous, i.e. Mitt Romney? Because she simply states, yes, these labs are there. They need to be addressed. We can't just ignore them. But the whole thing gets shut down. Zelensky's been known for, for shutting down opposition, for imprisoning opposition. I know somebody who has good friends with someone who adopted children from Ukraine. Ukrainian government has a policy that if, you're, if your child is disabled, autistic, uh, Down syndrome, and you can't prove that you can take care of them, they by law can force the child away from you and take the child and do what they want with the child. Okay, there, there's, basically I'm saying is Ukraine is not wonderful. Okay, and there's corruption across the board in this whole region. And I just think it's, it's a more complicated issue. And I like, you know, Patrick, what you're saying here is that we need to look at this idea that the U.S. government, going back to certain key players in the U.S. government, back to Obama and so forth, have definitely seemed to be intentionally trying to ramp this up. And you made some excellent points on that. Yeah. I'd just like to know, I know we're getting close to the end, but are there any other key points, especially drawn from your article? Because we'll put a link in the description to the article. Because um, mm -hmm. this is fascinating and there's so yeah, much. Yeah, it's, it's really opening up another way of looking at this and uh, helping us to understand. Because I, I hate being lied to. I, I'm, and now I'm talking about yeah. the mass media and governments. and Well, and the fact that they're pushing that. a potential third world war. Yeah. And we, we can't even take care of our, they won't, they won't take care of our southern border here in the States, but they are sending billions upon billions of dollars over there. Right. And, and, and you're right, Patrick, they're claiming very inflammatory things that at, at key times, like Kamala Harris saying what she said about joining NATO at that moment was not mm -hmm. the wisest, I mean, politically strategic move you could make if you're trying to de-escalate a situation. Basic self-defense tells you you don't say certain things at certain moments if you're trying to really diffuse it. Right. And that seemed exactly. very much in contradiction to that yeah. idea. So, I, Patrick, any, any, I mean, what are, what are the key things do you think are happening that show that Putin may have been baited into this and that the U.S. is trying to escalate it? Oh, well, the money, of course, is huge. I mean, that's basically, in my view, it's, it's, um, they're basically buying Ukraine. They are going to be funding the government. They're funding um, the military, obviously. They're trying to get uh, weapons to the east to turn the, the war around. And, um, you know, I don't think it's going very well for the Ukrainians, actually. If, uh, if it were, I think we'd see it on the news. 
And there's a lot of alternative media that, that is showing that, uh, that the Russians are just kind of slowly gaining more territory. And it looks like, according to Newsweek magazine, that they are doing it very deliberately to minimize civilian casualties. And they're also doing it to, um, in order to have enough territory to negotiate and to force Ukraine into negotiating so they can make a deal. Um, so it's not going very well for the Ukrainians. The United States is doubling down with all this money and, um, and it could escalate to a nuclear war, basically. Uh, in the article, there is a link to it, this Princeton study. It was a simulation of what could happen for a nuclear war and what would happen according to the policies of both Russia and the United States. And right now we are in the, in the beginning stages of that simulation where they say that obviously the United States has greater conventional power than Russia. And if the United States went in on this, uh, they would clean up Russia, okay? I think that that's what I hear. I'm not a military person, but that's what I hear from good sources. And, um, but Russia has said that they will reserve the right to use nuclear weapons for an existential threat to their country. And, um, and they've also said that they consider Ukraine an existential threat. So mm -hmm. when Father Rick is saying, yeah, that they, they've threatened to nuke, they've said, look, you know, we're gonna defend our country. And so it might be a conventional weapon. So the, simul the simulation begins with a conventional weapon from Russia because they're losing on the conventional side. And then uh, of course, NATO retaliates and then the volley begins. What's a, what's a potential scenario? So Ukraine is an existential threat. What's a potential scenario, worst case scenario of what Ukraine would do to Russia in order to be seen as an existential threat? What, 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 let, let's just let's just play. That's great. That's a good yeah, question. With, what what what's the yeah. worst thing they could possibly do to Russia? Well, that's a great question because in the last year, uh, Vladimir Putin has said, "Look, um, NATO has put missiles in Poland and Romania. Now we have to have a little aside there. The missile silos in Poland and Romania are defensive." missiles they're i think they're yes. called m41s right they're defensive yes however they can be changed to host tomahawk missiles which right. are offensive and what and so, in any of those countries histories that indicated that they would ever be aggressive and take over russia for no re other reason than to gain power and control so what, what, why, why, well, are, there's why are those missiles seen as anything other than defensive? Because Russia has a long history of being aggressive and has proven it on February 26th. Well, uh, Nazi Germany crossed Ukraine and invaded Russia, uh, invaded the Soviet Union, I should say, after Hitler had made a deal with the Soviet Union. And he broke the deal and invaded. Uh, the history of Russia is lots of armies marching across the Ukrainian territory and attacking them. 
And I'm not saying that they haven't attacked people. I'm not saying that everybody's innocent, but I'm saying from their perspective, uh, it's an existential threat to have Ukraine, which has, in their mind, has been part of their country and part of their people uh, become a member of NATO and then become eligible to host missiles. And if they're hosting missiles, the, Russia loses its, um, its retaliation capability, okay? So if, let's just say there's missiles in Ukraine. They can be in Moscow in three minutes. And so that is a security concern mm. for Russia. And I think that's, and lots of people, this isn't me, Can't but lots of them all say, say that, that it's completely reasonable. It's, it's can't a any reasonable say, Can't any country say that, that about any neighboring country? Um, well, that, 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 yeah, that we could. Uh, can be at their capital in three minutes? Yeah, the, the United States said it about Cuba in the early 60s. Right. They said, we're not going to allow missiles in Cuba, and we'll go to war for it. We'll go to war well, with Soviet it. missiles. Uh, that, went, that was not a... That missiles was a are very missiles. evil empire that was that was that that was very capable of pushing a button. Well, uh, Russia sees the United States as just they they've gone into Iraq, they've gone into you know they bombed Belgrade, they've gone into Afghanistan, they've been very aggressive around the world. They have they have military bases all over the world. Russia does not have military bases in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, the United States has them, you know, 170 of them or something. Well, I, um, I just want to so, sing my country tis of thee right now. I know. I love my in country. In every one of those cases, this was about, you know, the, 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 the big brother helping the little guy that was being assaulted, you know. And so. Well, that's what I, I would just argue. That's what Russia thought they were doing when they invaded on February 24th. They were. Really? Just as I said, they were defending these they, Russian, ethnic Russians in Eastern Ukraine who are being bombed by the uh, Ukrainian I don't government. know. Uh, uh, the, so, so they're not, they're not trying to take over Ukraine, or at least that was never their intention in the beginning when they, they were bombing in plenty of other places than that one place that you're talking about all throughout Ukraine. But it was only because of that one place that, that, uh, that they did everything. That was their sole intention even though they were bombing everywhere throughout all of Ukraine and have already taken over a large swath of Ukraine. They've, uh, what they're taking from Ukraine, what I think they want to negotiate is the historical regions that were always Russian. So we got to give America have, back to the have, Native Americans. We got to give America back to the Native Americans because they, they owned it at one point. So well, let's give it back if, to them. If they owned it 31 years ago. Historically, you know, it was theirs. I'm just giving you their perspective. I'm not yeah, saying what, what's right or wrong. I'm not, I'm just saying that this is why they're doing it. And I'm saying yeah. that the United States helped provoke it. I mean, they bombed innocent people. The, the people in Eastern Ukraine have been bombed with American munitions that have been given to the Ukrainians. Look, I, I, don't, I don't think that it's a stretch to kind of maybe sum up what you're saying, Patrick, here, that no one is saying that Putin is justified and that no. what he did is good. Mm. His reasoning, his mindset, we can only we can only gather that or glean that based on statements that come from either him, his writings. He wants to reunite, you know, 
the, the Russian people. He, he's, he's talked about this. He's written about this. He wants to raise Russia to a higher standard the way it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. There's this dream of maybe more of a patriotic idea of Russia. How he's doing it, I don't think it's great. No, I don't think anybody here is saying, and I don't think anybody in the, in the right mind would say that what he did all is perfect and makes sense. It's a but, horror. No, but Father, <laughs> listen, though. It's Patrick, a horror. But Patrick has made it clear, too. The corruption on the side of Ukraine connected with even certain people in the United States government is clear. Sure. It's clear as a bell. Sure that this, there's been manipulation going on. I go back again to that one, one I don't week. like the Biden administration, but I don't think you know, I'm going to be all soft if someone starts uh, invading our country because we have a corrupt government right now. Well, but I, but I don't think that's what Patrick is saying here. I, I mean, don't it, think it's about Patrick saying it. Uh, well, but it's, the whole thing is more complicated, I think, than just to simply say, okay. you, know, you know, that Ukraine is a sovereign nation. They shouldn't have been invaded. Well, no, they shouldn't have been. No one should be invaded. All right. Anywhere in the world be- at any time in history. But go ahead. And nobody should be bombing civilians for eight years either. Okay. That we don't know uh, about. Because yeah, I mean, I, our media doesn't, our media tells it's us. It's not exactly reported. What they we want don't, we don't know. know the details of it. Well, I've, I've got it cited in my article. Hmm. There's, uh, there's just tons of evidence for it. And okay. it's from. I'm going to do uh, a dive on that. Oh, please do. And, and, and again, we are lied to. And, and, we, and we are, there's a lot of information that's censored. And yeah, and but I, it's it's tough to hear that America has been bombing civilians for eight years and, and nobody's talking about. I, it's tough to we hear. We love our country. Yeah. I love my country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't love my government. Okay, there's a distinction. A, you face know? it, it's it's a big country with good and bad. I love the American yeah. people, but there Absolutely. was an American person who walked into a church and opened fire over the weekend and killed people. There's an American person who walked into a grocery store and right. killed people. There are Americans who kill each other in the streets of Chicago every right. day. I don't love that part of it, but I love right. what America stands for, what yeah. the Constitution was written for. Right. That's a great way for us to end. Amen. I love great. We love America. Patrick, thank you so Absolutely. much. So much for us to we hey, got to do a deep dive so we understand the truth and, and we can really get to that truth because I agree with you. Iraq was a debacle. It was a horror mm-hmm. that uh, we got that bad information. And I was in there. I was... God bless America is singing the national anthem as we were going in to, to pull out all those weapons of mass destruction that mm-hmm. apparently weren't there, you know? So, mm-hmm. so uh, we got to learn and we've got to, we've got to mm-hmm. make a deep dive and understand what's really going on. Thank you very much. I've got one thing to add. Yeah. If you go to LifeSite news and you type in not in our name, uh, there's an article about a petition that a lot of people, you know, of, have have signed a lot of kind of prominent intellectuals and okay. even uh, some politicians and so forth. Sure. And everybody is free to uh, sign it and you can mm-hmm. find the link there. And it basically says, we don't want any more es- escalation of the war from okay. the United States. Nice. So Very it's a good. petition. It's a petition. Is it, is it specifically this war, U- Ukraine? It's specifically yep. this war. Yeah. Okay, yep. good. And um, you can go to change.org. It's there too, not okay, in our good. name. And, uh, and maybe we can put it, you know, in. Uh, yes, we'll yeah, put it in. Yeah, we'll, link will be we'll, in we'll put a yeah. link to it in this uh, podcast. Yes. Right. Great. Right. Good. Patrick, we got to have you on many times now. This is awesome. Oh, thank you, Father. It was very good. good. Oh, yeah. thank you guys. And I so hope much. you don't mind Appreciate me playing it. devil's advocate because I just Not a there's bit. a lot of listeners out there that are going, uh, what about the, you know, so anyways, but. I understand. It, yep. It's very complicated. It is. And so forth. So yep. I very All much right. appreciate it. All right. Let's end God with a prayer. God bless you guys. 
In okay. the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, amen. Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. All right. All thanks, right. Patrick. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks so much. God All bless right. you.